Today is March 10th, 2021. A little-known story about Apache Native American land displays a fight to conserve the environment. Meghan and Harry break the internet with an interview with Oprah, and Trump launches his attack on the GOP. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got another phenomenal, fantastic, stupendous show for you here today, right and early on this Wednesday morning, bringing you all the best news and insights from both the left and the right side of the aisle. And when you know, as always, y'all, this is going to be the best podcast that we've done yet because we're splitting the difference and we're finding that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. As always, y'all, we're going to be doing our best to look at both sides of the aisle, try to parse through a lot of the divisiveness that we see in this world, and of course, try to find a little bit of a middle ground. If that is something that you are interested in, come along with me as we hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day... Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of a topic, a story about uh, Apache Native Americans out in Arizona and the fight that they are currently undergoing in order to be able to conserve the land that they historically have been on. So this is not a story that is getting a lot of huge news and the headlines across America right now. Historically, a lot of the big headlines or a lot of the big stories around specifically Native American tribes throughout the U.S. normally don't get a ton of press because... Unfortunately, not a lot of people really care all that much about it, but I ended up stumbling upon this story while doing my normal read-through of a lot of different newspapers. I basically sit down and I read five or six or seven different newspapers and kind of parse through as many as I possibly can in order to be able to come up with the best stories of the day, the stuff that are kind of leading the headlines and stuff that oftentimes have a bit more uh, derision in the middle uh, between the two parties. Uh, And this one, it was way, this story was way down at the bottom of NBC News, and it caught my attention because I think it sums up a lot of the fights in the environment and a lot of unfortunate fights that are also happening alongside Native Americans throughout this country and what has happened historically as well with Native Americans um, and the relationship that they have with especially white men and women that have come and moved into the United States. So to set the stage just a little bit, there's a 740-acre patch of land called Oak Flats in the Tonto National Forest in Arizona. It is a sacred place for the San Carlos Apache tribe, in Arizona, uh, and it's a place where they have actually gone to worship for thousands of years at this point. A lot of people within the San Carlos Apache tribe actually describe it as their Mount Sinai. So if you can think, I mean, this is an incredibly sacred piece of land for these people that live in and around uh, the Apache tribe there in that area. So the problem is, It sits on a gigantic deposit of copper, one of the largest deposits of copper in the entire world, and a large copper mining operation has been eyeing it for a very, very long time, and now there's going to be a fight between basically, it really is two copper mining companies that own one, but I guess one copper mining operation, and the Apache tribe that are basically trying to protect it. So all of it centers around over ownership of the land and ultimately the destruction of that land for getting copper out of the ground. The land is currently in the process of being transferred over to Resolution Copper, which is that aforementioned large copper mining company 
Um, and there's a legal ba battle happening right now in order to be able to stop it, but it's looking fairly unlikely that the transfer is not going to be able to go through um, as Resolution Copper has now poured over $2 billion into being able to get this pushed through the courts and for everything to get done and has been has lobbied multiple members of Congress in order to actually get this thing handled and transferred over into their ownership. So a little more background. Who are the Apache Native Americans? So their reservation is about 130 miles outside of Phoenix. It sits on the outskirts of the Tonto National Forest and is actually named after the Tonto Band of Apaches that lived in that area for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, previous to the 1800s. So until they lived there until around the 1870s when they were actually forcibly removed by American troops. Um, interestingly enough, the reservation is actually one of the poorest Native American reservations in the country, which is saying a lot because there is a huge problem with systemic poverty within the vast majority of the Native American reservations that we have here in this country, specifically with the Apache reservation. Four out of every five, five families with children live below the federal poverty line, and the unemployment rate sits at around 30%. That's according to studies and uh, research done by the University of Arizona. So one of the historic landmarks besides the Oak Flats in the area is actually called the Apache Leap, which will come into play a little bit later on in the story. But uh, it's named the Apache Leap because when their land was being taken in the 1870s, many refused to be taken from the land as prisoners of war uh, by the American troops and instead chose to jump off of a ridge to their deaths in order to avoid being taken as prisoners uh, by the Americans. So it was coined and it was called Apache Leap because many Apache uh, Native Americans actually leaped off of the ridge to their death at that location. So the area has been protected. The area, specifically Oak Flats and the Tonto National Forest, have been protected since 1955 when uh, President Eisenhower declared the area off-limits completely to mining. Then in 1971, President Nixon re renewed the ban, but actually added a provision that said that it could be mined if it was traded into private hands or into private interests. So in 2014... Then-Senators John McCain and Jeff Flake of Arizona squeezed a really, really last-minute rider into a, a need-to-pass defense bill. You can see you see this, and we talk about this a lot, where senators or House of Representatives will like squeeze really, really small riders in on the very end of large spending bills or defense bills or something that need to get passed in order to be able to get stuff passed for their constituents or people that have lobbied them in the past. So... This rider essentially allowed for the transfer of 24 acres, a 24 acre tract of land that includes Oak Flats to be transferred to anybody that it would need to be transferred to, in other words, Resolution Copper. Um, and Resolution Copper then would have to give 5,600 acres of land that they owned as you know a trade for the deal. So McCain, in a 2014 op-ed, defended that rider, saying that it would create jobs in the area and boost the local economy. But don't worry, okay? A senior engineer at Resolution Copper says that they are sensitive to the wishes of the Apache people, and they are planning on leaving Apache Leap completely undisturbed. So they're basically planning on going in, completely destroying the places where the, all of the Apache Native Americans go to worship, uh, but will leave the place that has actually been memorialized in their tribe as the ridge in which many of their people actually jumped off and committed suicide at in order to not being take, be taken by pres as prisoners of war um, during a bloody fight against American troops. So great move there by Resolution Copper. 
So all in all, the reason why I think this story is interesting and unfortunately is not a unique story at all. This kind of stuff happens pretty frequently across the United States and really across the world. Uh, but it gets into a very, very long standing fight between the environment and making money. Okay. Unfortunately, I think especially over the past 20 to 30 years, the Republican Party has really, really embraced this profit at all costs line of thinking. When Teddy Roosevelt took office at the turn of the century coming into the 1900s, he was a stalwart defender of the environment. By and large, one of the biggest defenders of the environment of any president that we've ever had. He was a Republican. He was a progressive Republican. He established national forests. He defended disruption of the environment, pretty much whatever it would look like, and also wrote plenty of provisions that would actually force people to plant trees across the United States. Eisenhower, like we mentioned him earlier, also protected national forests and was a Republican president as well, and was obviously, like we said earlier, the president that made this area specifically off limits to any type of disruption. So notwithstanding the fact that this is this area is incredibly sacred to Native Americans, uh, it will absolutely destroy the environment in the area that has been completely undisturbed for thousands of years now. I have, and this is obviously much more of my opinion, but I have a serious beef with the refusal of many Republicans to see and acknowledge the fact that allowing companies to run absolutely rampant over the environment has devastating consequences that can't be reversed. There's no way that you can go back in time and repair the environment after it has been destroyed. There was absolute outrage over Biden not allowing the Keystone Pipeline to proceed, even though this pipeline very clearly was going to be going through and disrupting a large swaths of the environment from, I mean, all the way up in the middle of the United States, all the way up to Alaska, right? Absolute outrage on the right side of the aisle. And Trump all but completely gutted the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, on the premise, in a lot of ways, that climate change is a myth. We don't necessarily need the EPA. Well, we're doing better than a lot of other countries in the world. We don't need the Paris Climate Accords, which the Paris Climate Accords, in a lot of ways, I can definitely see an argument outside of just environmental change for why you wouldn't want to be involved in the Paris Climate Accords. That's a different argument all on its own. But pull away from and, and you know pull back any ideas or any thoughts that the United States government should be putting regulations on companies in order to be able to protect the environment that many corporations are very clearly destroying. So the idea that destroying nature for the gain of more copper, the gain of more profits, the gain of more jobs in the area should be really, really difficult to stomach for pretty much everyone, let alone destroying a place of worship for Native Americans in the area. I honestly cannot imagine, I cannot even fathom the outrage from Republicans in the United States, and honestly, people all across the world, if people decided to go to the Mount of Olives and absolutely rip the entirety of that place up in order to be able to pull copper or some other mineral or some other metal out of the ground. I legitimately cannot imagine the outrage that would happen throughout the world, especially from Christians, as many people believe the Mount of Olives is where Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, 
The Mount of Olives is in a lot of different Christian prophecy as well. I, I mean, there would be people absolutely furious about it, but because it's Native Americans, they're just kind of like, well, you know, it is what it is. We're just going to have to keep rolling with it. So the other thing that blows my mind is that this is always done in the name of jobs, okay? I can't even count the amount of times that I've heard conservatives talk about how people should just move if they can't find a job, okay? Or if the ocean is rising, right, from due to climate change, well, then people just need to get up and move. The good old, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, Republican mantra, right? But all of that goes out the window completely when it comes to you can't mine here because you're going to destroy the environment or you can't build this pipeline here, right? Well, then every, well, but what about all the jobs? You know, Biden killed thousands of jobs when he was, when he, when he uh, disrupted and said that people couldn't uh, put the Keystone pipeline is. Why can't these people get jobs elsewhere? Why can't they go into a different industry? Why do they have to specifically be working in this place? Why can't they go somewhere else? Um, if we really are in a free labor market, then those people should have no problem going and finding other jobs for equal or if not more salaries, right? I just, it frustrates me a lot. So it frustrates me to no end because it, it's clear that large corporate profits are not going to stop seeking those profits out if it means protecting the environment. And I do hear the argument a lot on the right side of the aisle that, well, you know, corporations have a vested interest in keeping the environment healthy and keeping the environment around because obviously these corporations want to be able to have people to continue to sell to in the future. And if you destroy the environment, then, you know, they won't have that. But all of that argument, every bit of that, relies upon the premise that corporations are actively working and actively seeking out ways to be able to improve their company 30 years down the line. And that simply does not happen in real time. The vast majority of corporations are much more concerned about share, shareholder value today as opposed to how, how much they're worried about share, shareholder value 30 years from now. And that's because that's they should be, right? That's how money works. A dollar in my pocket today will always be worth more than a dollar in my pocket tomorrow. It's just the time value of money. And that's why environmental protection by the government is incredibly important, okay? It's not just about climate change. It is not just about uh, we should, and I agree, I don't think we should restructure and totally destabilize the entirety of the American economy in order to be able to protect the environment that we, you know, at, at all costs, right? Because that, of course, is going to devastate millions and millions of people across the United States, However, we should not be taking steps backwards and allowing for large mining corporations to come in and absolutely destroy swaths of land in the name of seeking out more profits and providing more jobs. There's no reason why you can't have plenty of efficiency that pl plenty of technology that increases efficiencies that increase in order to provide people with jobs there's no reason why green energy cannot be uh, uh, cannot be researched in order to be, help protect the the environment a vast majority of different ways but all of this rant is just to say there has to be some sort of regulation. There has to be the government that decides to step in to be able to stop corporations from coming and destroying the environment because it is perfectly clear up until this point that corporations are not concerned about the environment. They're, they're worried about their bottom line because that's what a corporation should be concerned about. That's not a bad thing, right? But you have to be willing and able to stop profit at all costs if the cost is going to be destroying the world in which we all live. It just seems like it should be plainly obvious. I don't know what I'm missing here, um, but I will go ahead and I will end my rant there. So 
With all of that having been said, that is the end of the first story of the day. Let's hop on in to our second story, story number two. So for our second story of the day, Meghan and Harry set the media absolutely ablaze over the past couple of days. So on Sunday night, Meghan Markle and Harry, the Duke of Sussex, the sixth in the line to the British royal throne, uh, did a tell-all interview with Oprah Winfrey. That made a lot of incredibly damning allegations against the British monarchy, and of course, caused a gigantic uproar in the press. It was the primetime spot on CBS, and it has garnered millions and millions of views across the world. In the UK, there are some tabloids that are absolutely furious about it. There are some tabloids that are overjoyed with everything that had happened. The left and the right is pretty much split on it, per usual. Uh, but it was an incredibly interesting interview. So some of the headlines in the United Kingdom were pretty inflamed to say the least. Uh, many of them were actually angry. They even decided to do the interview uh, and saying that the claims, a lot of the claims that were made were completely unsubstantiated. However, there were also leaders within the British Labor Party that have already asked for investigation into the royal family for some of the claims of racism that Meghan Markle actually pushed. So, what were some of the allegations? So first, uh, she claimed that there was one member of the royal family that brought up concerns about the color of their baby's skin. Uh, supposedly, someone within the royal family or on the royal staff, somehow related to or involved with the monarchy, came to her and asked, told her or raised concerns that their baby, their child, would actually have a darker skin and would, you know, pretty much in some ways, I guess, mar the lineage of the royal family. They also claimed that they were cut off completely from security and also cut off from money from the royal family. And they spoke at length about how they felt ostracized and disrespected. Much of that centered around how Meghan felt like she was treated very poorly based upon the color of her skin. And they also made accusations that she was, Meghan Markle was at one point, uh, suicidal and contemplating taking her own life and the royal family refused to provide her with any sort of services because they were worried that if they did word would get out and it would make the royal family look very very poorly so of course this has stirred up huge controversy on both sides of the aisle the left applauded megan for being brave and coming out and speaking about racism that they that she had to endure, they said that she was a victim of oppression and uh, akin this to other sort of you know supposed systemic oppressions that all people of color feel throughout the West. The right, on the other hand, on the other hand, wholesale wrote it off as just a big publicity stunt. Uh, didn't take them seriously. You shouldn't take them seriously because they can't be victims of oppression, uh, being in the positions that they're in. Um, and I think that you see this oftentimes on the right that like wealth is what is equated as to whether or not somebody has been oppressed or whether somebody has been um, treated very, very poorly. Uh, you can't be oppressed if you're wealthy is normally the mantra on the right. So what is interesting, I'll say in a couple things. So first, what's been interesting is how the right side of the aisle has taken the side of the British monarchy, which is really weird. Like I've heard a ton, like I watched a, a, a long Ben Shapiro clip on this uh, yesterday or today. Actually, I believe it was yesterday morning. And Ben Shapiro went through and laid out the entire thing about why Meghan and Harry were stupid for doing this, all of the claims that he just didn't believe a lot of the claims and about how uh, Harry is really a big piece of trash because he's coming out and he's steamrolling over and you know backing over the entirety of his family, which provided him with so much. And a lot of it, I think, is very simply because the right just decides that they're going to be against something that the left says that they're for. 
And as a result, they just have to be against it at all costs. So I've seen a lot of stuff on the right side of the aisle over the past couple of days and has actually been in support of a lot of the actions and supporting the British monarchy, which is so weird to me. Like the Republicans who claim to be for, you know, completely federalist government, right? Claim to be for uh, this push for classical liberalism, right? And they are backing and defending a monarchy, which is probably one of the more archaic, authoritarian, like, the things that you can even have within a society, even though the British monarchy at this point is pretty much just a figurehead. Um, but what is also interesting here is there seemed to be a lot of conflation going on on both sides. So the left has no doubt pushed hard the agenda of systemic racism on minorities. And in many cases, the woke mob, right, relies on, you know, upon different identity groups that are subject to different levels of oppression, not necessarily based upon what they specifically have gone through, but based upon the overall oppression that that particular group has gone through. So this is what uh, a lot of, I think, critical race theory kind of is centered around. Critical race theory is involves a lot of storytelling and experiences of individuals to help write a narrative of what oppression looks like for the group as a whole. And granted, that is a very, very 30,000 foot level of critical race theory that I don't, and I don't have time to get into it in, in length right now, but, um, Critical race theory basically says use the experiences of individuals in order to help identify a group. And thus, once you have that group that has been identified, you can then help that to inform how policy is written in order to lessen the oppression of those individuals. So the right is openly tired of hearing about oppression from minorities. Okay. Most of what is said, uh, especially by celebrities or, you know, rich people that happen to be minorities is completely wholesale written off because the primary gauge by which someone has decided to be oppressed is based on whether that person is doing well financially. So a lot of what it comes down to, I think, is the word oppressed or oppressing. What's confusing to me is, especially for the attacks from the right, is that a black person can be incredibly privileged and have fantastic opportunities in life, Right. And you also can be a white person and have absolutely zero opportunities in this life. You can also be a really rich black person that has done very, very well financially and still feel the awful effects of racism. Like, just because Meghan Markle is very rich, right, doesn't mean that she doesn't feel the effects and the stings and the bitterness of what racism actually brings. I don't care how much money I have. If my in-laws came and communicated to me that they didn't want my child to have the same skin color of me... That would be absolutely horrible. No amount of wealth in this world is going to make me feel better about that. Just isn't. I'm going to probably feel oppressed. I'm probably going to feel judged, ostracized. I probably feel pretty horrible if a situation like that were to come up or if that were to occur. Um, yes, I agree. Harry and Meghan are not going to be hurting for money anytime soon. But that doesn't mean that they can't talk about how much it sucks to be treated differently because Meghan is black. Also, if celebrities and popular people aren't allowed to ha aren't don't have a leg to stand on, they're not allowed to come out and talk about racism or other ills in society. Who's going to be widely publicizing it? If every single time a celebrity comes out and they're like, "I believe that there's systemic racism and oppression within American society and especially within Western society as a whole," uh, I think that things need to be changing. Um, I am black, even though I have done extremely well. And I, you know, I'm doing well for myself. I, there are other people that are not, and I'm going to use my platform as a means by which to raise awareness for this. 
I don't understand what's wrong with that. You can't just write them off simply because they have money. The poor black kid living in the streets of Baltimore isn't going to be getting an interview with Oprah anytime soon. Just not going to happen. And I get the understanding, you know, and, and everything that's going on with like the whole celebrity woke dialogue where in a lot of ways, there's a lot of celebrities coming out and doing and saying stuff like this in order to be able to get a lot of p- clicks and a lot of likes and make a lot of money off of it. But having popular people that are widely appreciated by the population come out in a society and say something in order to be able to get things moving so things can happen and things can change, I'm okay with that. Nothing wrong with Harry and Meghan coming out and talking about their experience. Nothing wrong with it at all. I uh, am probably not going to sit around and say the British monarchy is phenomenal and they're not filled with corruption. Probably not going to be my shtick here. So all of that having been said, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, Trump attacks the RNC and really the GOP as a whole. So on Monday night, Trump sent an email to all of his supporters urging them not to contribute any of their political contributions to the Republican National Committee. He said that they should instead be giving their money to him and not to other candidates or to the Republican Party as a whole. They should be putting their donations to the Save America PAC, which they can find in the link on his website. Trump wrote, no more money for rhinos which has become the nickname for Republicans in name only, which basically just means that they're Republicans that don't support Trump. He also said, they do nothing but hurt the Republican Party and our great voting base. They will never lead us to greatness. So last week, Trump's attorneys sent uh, the RNC a cease and desist notice demanding that they stop using his name in any type of fundraising appeals. He also sent similar demands to the National Republican Congressional Committee and the National Republican Senate Committee, according to Politico. They responded and they said that they'll continue to use his name because it's protected under the First Amendment and they're just going to continue doing it. Trump and his team, however, are purposefully trying to distance him him from the Republican Party as a whole because it is clear there are plenty of people that don't support him within the Republican Party. Interestingly, though, the RNC had decided to move a portion of its retreat in April to Trump's Mar-a-Lago result where Trump will be speaking and they will be paying him not only for their stay at the resort, but also be paying him for his speaking engagement. So, uh, which of course doesn't seem sketchy or, you know, weird at all. Uh, the feud between the GOP and Trump is now really starting to gain a lot of steam. And it begs the question, how in the world did the Republican party not see this coming? How, how, how do you not how, like, People have been calling this for years. Trump is now actively trying to pull dollars away from the GOP unless it bows to him and does what he wants, right? He has stated multiple times that he will work hard to campaign against people that he doesn't like in the Republican Party. Most recently was Lisa Murkowski out of Alaska. Um, He said he will actually be going to Alaska to campaign against her as the Republican nominee. He didn't really make it very clear whether or not he would throw dollars or campaigns against her if she actually got the nominee and was running against a Democrat. It would seem weird if he tried to help a Democrat get elected, but I don't think that Trump's ego knows any bounds at all. So the rhinos that hate Trump so much are quite literally the people that just don't support him. In fact, the vast majority of the policy that the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, support is actually more akin to a lot of what the Republican looked like before Trump came into the office. Okay, Before Trump assumed the presidency, the Republican Party looked a lot like what Mitch McConnell pushes right now. 
Like Mitch McConnell has been the face of the Republican Party for a little while now. It's funny because like Mike Pence is now being called a rhino because Mike Pence went against Donald Trump and certified the electoral ballots. If I don't know if if Mike Pence is not a Republican, we don't have we don't have a definition of what a Republican is anymore. So the big catch is whether or not Trump actually has the support to destroy the Republican Party. And if the Republicans decide to nip all this in the bud right now, then what will happen when Trump's Trump really starts campaigning against them in the primaries? Because it's clear that he's going to do it. So if the Republican Party decides to come in right now and they're like, all right, Trump is purposefully trying to pull ad dollars away from us. He's encouraging people within our voting base and within our electorate to not vote in for Republicans and that, you know, obviously the party as a whole supports. Trump is actively trying to undermine the wishes and the goals and the policies that a whole lot of the Republican Party actually wants. So we need to cut ties. We need to get Trump out because he's cancerous to the party. If they decide to do that, Trump may have a big enough base to pull a substantial portion of the Republican ticket away from them. May very well have the support to do it. However, they op- they might fare much better in the primaries if they did it. Because, as I've said before, I think that if Trump is not on the ballot, okay, if it's not Trump's name underneath there, people don't really care all that much. In fact, a lot of the people that actually Trump went and campaigned the hardest for ended up doing the worst in the 2020 elections. So if the Republicans are able to pull back and disassociate themselves with Trump wholeheartedly, maybe they get through this. Definitely wouldn't be winning any presidency in 2024, but they'd be able to establish at least control over the voting base in the midterm elections. We will have to see how all of that ends up working out, though. I don't have the most faith that that's actually what's going to happen. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our third story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop in to our last segment, something that made me smile. So normally, I know on Wednesdays, many of you may be thinking right now, what happened to the bro what? Well, I honestly didn't have a bro what this week because I'm sure there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happened, but I just didn't see anything that was going to be super funny. However, I did have something that made me smile, and that is starting the show Modern Family. Many of you may have watched this show before. It is hilarious, okay? The show is so funny. I'd seen bits and pieces of it over the years, but my wife and I started watching it again like late last week and have been binging it, and it is hysterical. I've been absolutely cracking up over this show. And it's funny because, I mean, this show was on for, I think, 11 seasons. It is uh, a lot of great writing, a whole lot of funny stuff, and it's kind of just getting better and better. Obviously, I'm not all the way through it. I'm only on season two right now. But if you've never watched it, you totally should go give it a watch because it is pretty hilarious. So with all that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all, find me on my Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and uh, YouTube as well at Split the Difference. I'm on my website at SplitTheDifference.com. That's with one T. Go and find me and give me as many drop drop as many likes and subscribes and five star reviews as you possibly can because that helps me to curate comment content that all of y'all love and it also helps me to be able to get in the ears of listeners that may otherwise ne- never hear about me remember guys as always we are going to do our best to stay level-headed we're always going to be reasonable and of course we're going to split the difference this is austin taylor